Performance Podcast from Bottomline Technologies. Greetings and welcome to the Payments Podcast. Our episode today uses the occasion of the recently wrapped NACHA conference in Las Vegas, where Bottomline joined the rest of the financial services industry to discuss all things payments. Our guests today were among them, but the reason we've invited Michelle Pascarillo and Brian Hall today is not for a show report per se. We've invited them to give us their take on the business payments and digital banking industries and their experience at NACHA has informed their thinking. So what you'll hear today from them on this episode is a bit of a state of play to steal a, a term from our friends in the UK. Um, we're taking a look at business payments at the halfway point of this year. Among the topics you're gonna hear about are FedNow's launch, real-time payments, and I think the most important part of this, um, the evolving business cases for those high-speed rails. So as I mentioned, we have two guests. Michelle Pasquarillo is the VP Head of Bank Channel Strategy at Bottom Line. She has been with the company for 12 years now, after a six-year stand at Bank of America. Can't forget that. Um, Michelle describes her approach to business payments as customer-focused, goal-driven, and strategically oriented. We look forward to hearing from her today. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Uh, we're also welcoming Brian Hall to the podcast. Um, Brian is a senior solutions consultant at Bottom Line. And like Michelle, 10-year veteran of the company, his role is currently focused on digital banking and throughout his career, he's been actively involved in the development of cash management applications and working capital solutions for credit unions, corporate entities, and banks. So welcome to you, Brian. Thank you very much, John. Happy to be here. So Brian, we're gonna start with you. I, you know, anytime the, the business payments industry or any payments industry uh, conversation convenes these days, it's gonna be some talk about real-time payments. I'm interested to know your general sense right now of how high-speed rails are going to be used and tell us a little bit about how the FedNow launch is being perceived. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously a lot of discussion in Las Vegas um, about faster payments, moving money quicker, real-time payments. Um, obviously, we saw the advent of that with you know same-day ACH and those capabilities uh, being introduced years ago. Uh, you know, real-time payments with the clearing house have been, you know, a staple of bottom lines, uh, digital banking offering since 2019. Um, and we have several financial institutions that are, you know, leveraging and utilizing that, that capability. As we, you know, take a look at the introduction of instant payments with FedNow, you know, adding another real-time payment rail uh, this summer. Uh, we're, we're super excited about it. Had a lot of discussions at the conference um, you know, with our financial institutions that either have already adopted real-time payments with the clearinghouse or haven't and, and trying to figure out their strategy and where they're going. You know, from our perspective, real-time payments um, with FedNow, you know, really is, is already in the works. Um, the capture of the content and the data uh, is already in the platform. It's really about making those existing, you know, wire transactions, air quotes here, instant. Um, and, and, um, you know, processing those on the, the bank's back office, you know, gateway service providers and rails to get those transactions into FedNow. So we're certainly starting to see um, that conversation, that discussion um, about, you know, how and why, you know, the use cases exist around real-time payments, FedNow, same-day ACH, um, and how banks can manage that. Obviously, you know, you're, you're seeing um, the need to move things, you know, quickly uh, for certain instances, uh, gig economy, that's one, right? So 
Um, you've got uh, an Uber driver, Lyft driver, um, someone that um, expects to get paid as soon as a transactional event is completed, right? I do a ride, I deliver uh, my passenger, we close out the, the, um, the drive and I get paid uh, within, within seconds into my account. Um, you know, emergency payroll runs. Um, uh, we had a notch a payroll batch that, oops, somebody forgot to approve on a Wednesday for a Friday settlement. Well, historically, we attempted to pivot those into wire transactions. Well, now we could pivot that into real-time payments or into FedNow in the future. Um, so you've got the opportunity to um, you know, look at this use case from, from multiple um, avenues, venues, et cetera, um, as we're taking a look at, at why um, someone's going to offer and use those capabilities. As you start adding, you know, request for payment, the invoicing capability of those solutions into a platform that really starts allowing small and medium sized businesses uh, to have the ability, the capability to invoice in platform and uh, and really support uh, the opportunity to request someone pay me, provide an invoice or a capability to those folks so that they can do that. Um, and then you know receive that payment either back through the real-time payment rail um, as a real-time payment or through another channel you know i may cut and mail a check i may settle something via ach or wire um, and i've got the opportunity to you know complete that loop and then have you know conversational messaging within the real-time payment channel about that so that, that was a lot of the conversation that we had you know at conference and and with our existing and prospective financial institution clients um, and everybody was was hyper focused on that. One one final point, um, you know, there there's a lot of you know, the conversation about making payments faster means you know making fraud faster, um, or or being you know concerned about the the fraud components of of the transactions. Um, and certainly that's another aspect where you've got to have that conversation with your internal operational teams about. You know how do we manage that risk and and bottom line has solutions to help support that um, like our secure payment solution so monitoring and, and reviewing you know what's going on uh, with those payments from a rules-based perspective as well as behavioral analytics you know is this something that somebody normally does or is this way outside of their historical behavioral activity so um, all those conversations were had, um, you know, at the conference. And, and since we've been back, we, we've been following up with with a lot of our banks on those particular topics. So, Brian, thanks a lot. You know, the fraud and um, and real time payments is a, is a uh, an episode we're planning right now. There's certainly a lot more to unpack there. And thanks. For, thanks for bringing that up. So, Michelle, Brian described a lot of use cases and they seem to be exploding for real time payments. They're steadily ramping up for B2B. Can you put that development in the context of the broader real-time payments discussion? Yeah, thanks, John. And um, as Brian mentioned, if you think about the last five plus years or so, the number of B2C real-time payment scenarios have absolutely exploded um, with notables, as Brian mentioned, with RTP, Zelle, PayPal, virtual card. I mean, if you think about your own personal life again, as Brian mentioned, with Uber, DoorDash, marketplaces, all, all of us as consumers can make those payments um, real time and, and have access to those funds real time. 
Um, however, in the business to business space, it's steadily ramping. Um, however, we're not seeing the adoption as quickly as we see it in our consumer lives. Um, within the B2B space, 75% of US financial institutions accounts are now accessible. Um, the growth trajectory continues um, despite perceived low adoption in the AP space. Um, it's interesting listening to, to banks and large organizations, um, lots of talk about B2, B2C um, and just still a little bit skeptical about B2B adoption. Um, but many veterans in the payment industry remember that virtual cards were new uh, once, once upon a time, and it took a while for the adoption of virtual cards to, to ramp as well. And so we think we'll see that kind of similar trajectory with RTP as we, as we saw years ago with virtual card. Um, but there is a real opportunity for real-time payments within the B2B space. Um, we see strong corporate initiatives and heavy investments um, within these strong corporates to ensure RTP is successful, especially as FedNow is approaching. That will be um, another quick focus. Also, based on the, the state of economy, AP leaders are trying to find ways to drive more um, rebate and more um, adoption with fintech partnerships to make sure that um, they're, they're um, reducing manual processes and accelerating uh, their revenue growth. Again, FedNow is set to go live, so that'll have another um, RTP payment or payment rail available for businesses. And then as Brian uh, mentioned, document exchange has been recently added to RTP, which means invoicing will be available to integrate um, invoice or request for payment um, in the same action. So this also brings the potential for best-in-class embedded experiences um, closest to frictionless processing for invoice automation platforms, which will be, um, uh, I think, a big driver. So it all sounds great. Um, it sounds like a lot of upside here. What kind of businesses, the way you're seeing it right now, what kind of businesses would profit the most, in your opinion, about from using high-speed rails? Yeah, sure. So as we mentioned, um, in the B2C space, the gig economy is a perfect example of um, accelerated growth. In the B2B space, any businesses that really need to make or receive payments quickly and efficiently those businesses that need to improve cash flow management, reduce transaction costs, enhance security, all of those types of organizations or companies are, can really benefit from the um, high-speed rails of RTP in the business to, in the business space. Um, some companies, to be more specific, are like manufacturing companies. They often have tight production schedules and need to pay their suppliers quickly to ensure materials um, are delivered and produced. Logistic companies are another great example where they need to make, you know, time-sensitive payments to their carriers or other partners to ensure, you know, shipments are delivered on time. Healthcare providers, which is a great adopter to any automated payment. Um, healthcare providers often need to receive payments quickly from insurance companies or patients. Um, and lastly, like retailers, for example, they often need to make payments quickly to suppliers to ensure they have sufficient in inventory on hand, especially now that, um, you know, we're back into heading into box stores for retail, retail companies or even just online, which exploded over the last three years due to COVID. Yeah. 
Um, interesting stuff here. Well said. So, Brian, back to you. Um, my prep for this interview, and I did prep, <laughs> indicated that um, th there's a general sense in in the business, you know, despite there's some, we, we've seen some hiccups in the banking business, nothing that's going to be on the order of a crisis. Um, but a lot of what I read and a lot of people I talk to sense that there are some companies reconsidering banking relationships right now. I wanted to know if you sense that. Um, and if you do, how do you think getting, keeping, and growing customers change in this environment? Yeah, there's been some uh, some some turmoil, obviously, for um, you know commercial banking for you know the the customers in the business banking space um, that are you know obviously looking for stability from their financial institutions. Um, you know this this has given. Uh, those corporate clients the opportunity to uh, take a look at reevaluate their their banking relationships. Uh, historically, um, I was a treasury cash management sales officer and banker, um, you know, covering uh, healthcare institutions, you know, domestically, um, and they're always looking at the relationship between their you know credit experience with their financial institution, where are they getting their lending. Um, and then uh, subsequently applying their corporate cash management, treasury management capabilities uh, across those lenders and, and trying to uh, balance that. Um, so I think as you're, you're seeing some of the transition in the, the industry, you know, a flight to safety, obviously, is, is you know, terms that we've heard, um, capabilities of, of, you know, looking at the feature functionality capabilities that the banks offer and making sure that there's a good appropriate mix of, ACH, wire, loan payments, loan draws, real-time payment channels, um, you know, that they can, you know, effectively um, evaluate their business and, and, and make and receive payments. Obviously, um, you know, for, as a, a vendor, a fintech that's offering these capabilities to financial institutions, you know, we can very, very easily for our FI clients solve for the commodity, right? So, you know, wire screens that capture data uh, to subsequently transact uh, on behalf of your customers, ACH screens that capture the appropriate variables, you know, allow for state tax payments and, and other, you know, uh, uh, transaction-driven um, screen builds based on uh, choices within the platform. Uh, that's something that, that obviously we can handle very easily for our clients, allowing our financial institutions to you know, really get in front of their customers, find out what they're looking for, uh, poll them, survey them, uh, bring us in to, to have conversations with your largest clients in order to you know, really offer bank differentiation in the market. You know, again, let us handle the commodity, then you can you know, evaluate a portal, evaluate um, you know, how do we value add to this particular industry some information so that we can offer payment rails appropriately, but provide, you know, content that's most important to, say, the healthcare space or um, to, you know, oil and gas shipping internationally, et cetera. Um, what are the other ways that, that we have that we can offer to our financial institutions, you know, that are using our platforms and our services? Uh, we have a solution called Engagement Optimizer, which basically allows us to consume all the data um, of our of your customers, the bank's customers, and how they're transacting within the platform, so that for um, you know relationship managers, for treasury cash management sales officers, we have the ability to provide you know 
drill down insights into how folks are using the platform. I mean, that's going to give insights into attrition. Um, you know, is is company A, you know, moving money away from our relationship um, to another bank? You, you would see that within the product. You know, um, is is volume ramping up? Should we, you know, potentially extend uh, additional lending um, to this client because you know they're they're using us for more and they're becoming a more valued client to us in the you know treasury and cash management space. So. You know, I think we're seeing an evaluation, right? There's there's uh, you know, things that are going on in the industry that are causing folks to to reevaluate their relationships, um, and financial institutions that have that insight, those analytics, um, you know, can make valued decisions about how to target and go after you know clients that are looking to make a relationship change and and subsequently increase their portfolios. So what about AP departments, Michelle? I mean, from what I've, what I understand about AP automation, it's going to include, it's going to improve my efficiency, which should be a good customer retention strategy, no? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's face it, AP automation can be very sticky. Um, And let's be honest, once you're fully automated, your AP team can now focus on other projects or maybe even take a coffee break or lunch break here and there. So, you know, who really wants to go back to manual processes, cutting checks, running checks to the bank every day using Excel? No one wants that, right? They want automation. They want efficiencies. They want to make sure that they're using their resources in the right way to focus on strategic efforts. So um, what we look at is, you know, solid AP automation tools uh, will fully integrate your AP process, starting with the automated file transmission, um, or you can use APIs or ERP connectors where data is flowing back and forth with ease. And so fully automating and fully integrating your, your transmission is important and sticky. Um, and then also, depending on who your provider is, all of your company's vendor bank account information and detail can be stored within that AP automation tool that is secure um, versus storing that in a company's ERP system, which may not have the level of security measures that a financial technology or AP automation uh, solution would have. Um, and then, you know, again, as I mentioned, as we move into the you know new millennial workforce with Gen Z and Gen X, like they don't want to work on manual uh, processes. They don't want to work within spreadsheets um, or have to go back and forth between screens, right? They want automation and they want to make sure things are efficient. So in order to kind of get the best in class um, solutions and folks that can take your business to the next level, um, finding an AP automation tool is is definitely important and also uh, will help with customer retention and, and stickiness. Brian, back to you. Um, I know payments and cash management were a big topic at the conference. Now, can you tell us, don't get too technical on me here, but there there is some technology involved. I get that. But how should a digital banking platform help optimize cash management and forecasting right now? The absolute base level, cash management 101, right? It's, It's all about receiving your money as quickly as possible, getting that accounts receivable in, on the accounts payable side, it's it's paying as slowly as possible and then investing whatever you have in, in your, your primary concentration account, right? So uh, when I say pay slowly, that doesn't necessarily mean elongate as long as possible. It means pay strategically. So, you know, use the appropriate payment rail to schedule and make payments 
um, at the appropriate time. So I've got an invoice. Am I paying that invoice? You know, as a, a future dated ACH transaction, a future dated real time payment transaction, it, it, does this this vendor that I'm paying exist in, in the PayModex network and I can subsequently pay them that way, um, you know, and have advanced invoice conversations on the RTP or, or the PayModex rail? Um, obviously, that that's that's the important component of, you know, paying my AP and making sure that. Um, you know, I'm strategically uh, managing my my working capital and my working cash. So, you know, our solutions help with those capabilities to give that visibility, that insight, that reporting. Um, also taking a look at the exposure that a bank has, um, you know, as they're evaluating, you know, three day, five day, 30 day risk as they're you know, evaluating that that uh, fraud potential and capability in the secure payments application. So, um, you know, obviously these technical components allow us to do that. And that's that's the point of what we're driving with our solutions that we're offering in the market. Cool. Michelle, can you kind of can you address some of Brian's comments from an AP automation perspective? Yeah. So from an AP automation perspective and thinking about the end user or large corporations, very similar to some of the comments Brian made is um, AP automation helps optimize cash management and, and forecasting with faster processing times as well, right? AP automation can significantly reduce the time it takes to processes to process invoices, which ultimately means faster payments. It can improve accuracy, so it, it can help reduce errors and discrepancies in the payment process, um, which again helps remove the need for any manual interve intervention. Um, it allows better visibility for organizations, which is um, definitely very important, especially in this state of economy. Um, better visibility into payment data, allowing companies to track payment status, identify payment trends, monitor payment history. Um, and so uh, that will allow companies to make more informed decisions on cash management and, and forecasting. Again, super important. Um, it helps streamline workflows for organizations um, regarding payment processing, reducing any time or resources required to manage these payments. And then lastly, as I talked about in my earlier um, responses, integrating with other systems, whether that's through ERP or APIs um, connections, I think that's super important to make sure that we're managing um, cash flow. Okay, excellent. All right, last question, guys. This is the, the bottom line lightning round here. So, Brian, I'm going to go to you first. Let's say every NACHA attendee is listening to this podcast. What do they need to focus on now that they're back home at, at their desks? You know, if, if I'm a corporate, um, someone who has banking relationships with multiple financial institutions, I think, you know, now's the time to evaluate, uh, again, to take a step back, look at your global, you know, uh, working capital. Am I banking with the right banks? You know, am I am I getting lending from the the appropriate organizations? Um, am I using the proper concentration bank that's giving me you know insights into my reporting, um, insights into you know uh, maybe my uh, multi bank uh, position if I, I do have multiple relationships? Uh, who am I using for online capabilities? Are they providing additional? you know, industry specific value add, you know, for my dollar. If I'm a banker, am I offering those capabilities um, or do I have a deficiency? Am I focused on 
building the commodity um, because th that's kind of a waste of time, right? That that exists. You can get that from from fintech providers. What specific, you know, value add am I bringing to my customer base that is relationship based? You know, I, I know my customers better than anybody, and I want to I want to be able to prove that to them. Um, you know, is there some geographic uh, thing that we offer, you know, better than anybody else? Is there, um, you know, a, a portal capability that that we have that we could integrate fintech solutions into and, and really be, you know, the drivers, the master of our own destiny? So obviously being aware of, of industry factors, uh, issues, uh, evaluating who we're banking with, you know, are we providing the right products? I think that's probably the bottom line coming out of, of Vegas. Michelle, you get the last word. What are we telling people that have been to Nacha in their home? Yeah, so thanks, John. Um, what I would recommend for organizations and, and large corporates is to do your homework and to take the time now that you're back and you're in the office and really map out your entire procure-to-pay process. Identify gaps, identify large pain points for your AP uh, staff whether those are manual processes or timely processes or costly processes, right? Determine where you think within each of those uh, important and integral processes within your AP lifecycle, where you can gain the most efficiencies, save money or earn rebates. And then once you've identified those pain points or key areas of opportunity, start researching AP automation solution providers that are uh, leading in their space that can solve most, if not the majority of those gaps that are important important to you and a partner that will work hand in hand and collaborate with you on making sure that they, we do solve those, those needs for you. Um, I also think, and I'll end with this, is that you need to find a partner that um, supplier relationships are extremely important and fraud is top of mind. Fraud is on the rise, whether it's with card or check or even ACH. Um, and you need to make sure that you find a provider that will protect your payments, whether they're going out in a check in the form of an ACH or a card, um, because that is not only important to you as a company and your reputational risk, but it's also extremely important for your suppliers. Um, so I would end with, you know, find a tool that fits that meets your, your pain points, that helps earn you and save you money, um, but at most importantly, that protects you from fraud. That is well said. That was a great episode, guys. Thank you very much. That's a wrap. Um, I want to thank Michelle Pasquarillo and Brian Hall from Bottom Line. Uh, thanks one, once again for tuning in. I'm going to see you next time, hopefully, um, on whatever your favorite podcast platform is, and that could be Apple, Spotify, or SoundCloud. See you next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.